My name is James Gleason, and I want to welcome you to the weekend teaching ministry of Sunrise Church here in Hillsboro, Oregon. Now, Sunrise is a church devoted to being a safe place to hear a life-changing message. And our vision is to lead people in a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. And so every weekend, we share a message of hope from God's Word, the Bible. Now, if you'd like to know more about discovering and growing in a relationship with the God who loves you, please take a moment to visit our website at www.isunrise.com. Now, from there, you can learn how to connect with the God who loves you. And you can learn how to grow with others along the journey of life. You can learn to develop a heart to serve the least, the last, and the lost. And finally, you can learn how to lead others to know Jesus Christ on this journey of disciples making disciples. And so now I invite you to follow along with our weekend message as you discover the heartbeat of God. So uh, about... uh... It's the end of a decade, right? End of, end of a year, so your last Sunday. And with that brings the idea of goals and resolutions and different things uh, that we look ahead to the year ahead or maybe even the decade ahead and say, hey, this is what I hope to do. This is where I hope to be. And it's a really powerful time because I was looking at my goals last night and what I, what I set for 2019 and what I wanted to accomplish. Some of them I did. Some of them, yeah, need a little work. Um, and so I think that's where a lot of us kind of get, though, is that we get some of our goals because we're so dead set out to do them. And then some others, we fall short. And with that, I think if we were honest and really were to set goals for the year ahead and, and what we want to experience and what we want to encounter, we would say, hey, I, I want to... I want to experience life, you know. I think if we were really set a goal, it's like, I want to be present. I want to be in conversations with my kids, with my parents, you know, in all my relationships. I just want to be there. And sometimes that means for us, it's like, hey, I want to get out of debt. I want to get, I want to get, shed some weight. I want to, you know, we set some really good goals because that's what's going to help us live what, what we believe is a better life. And I don't think that's a wrong thought. I think that's absolutely. But the reality is, is when we look at the passage today and we come into the scripture today, we really look at this and go, Jesus is, it's a tough message. It's really hard to swallow, to chew, to understand sometimes. But the reality is, is Jesus didn't come just so that you and I could say a prayer and call it good and this would be our church experience. He came, he says, I'm going to show you a way to live. I'm going to show you a way where you can experience freedom, where you can really experience life. And so as we look ahead to 2020 and what's ahead in this decade, my prayer for you and my prayer for me is that we would really experience life. And I think this is the message today for that. So um, if you would, if you're going to follow along, if you'd like to open up the Bible, we're going to go to Acts 7. We started this series back in September where we took a four week break to go through our Advent series, but now we're going to pick back up. So this is what it says. Uh, You stubborn people, you are heathen at heart and deaf to the truth. Must you forever resist the Holy Spirit? That's what your ancestors did, and so so do you. Name one prophet your ancestors didn't persecute. They even killed the ones who did predicted the coming, who predicted the coming of the righteous one, the Messiah whom you portrayed and murdered. You deliberately disobeyed God's law, even though you received it from the hands of angels. Jewish leaders, when you do that, it gets the next slide to go. 
Um, the Jewish leaders were infuriated by Stephen's accusation, and they shook their fist at him in rage. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed steadily into heaven and saw the glory of God. And he saw Jesus standing in the place of honor at God's right hand. He told them, look, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing in the place of honor at God's right hand. Then they put their hands over their ears and began shouting. They rushed at him and dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. His accusers took off their coats, laid them at the feet of a young man named Saul. As they stoned him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. He fell to his knees, shouting, Lord, don't charge them with the sin. And with that, he died. Saul was one of the witnesses, and he agreed completely with the killing of Stephen. Let's pray for a moment. God, we we all have different stories. We all have different backgrounds, and um, we all have different goals going into this next year. And uh, Lord, I pray you would just meet us in those goals. You would meet us in this life. Some of us, our first time in church, we're invited, we're in here, we're kind of checking this thing out. Maybe we're new to what it means to understand who Jesus is. And Lord, I pray that you would just reveal yourself in such a powerful way. As Pastor James said, maybe this is someone's last time in church. Lord, I pray you would show yourself and you would reveal yourself. That that everyone in this room, myself included, we'd walk away and go, man, that's God. And Father, we really want an experience with you, not, not the feelings and the frills, but something that'll take us to eternity, Father, something that'll take us beyond our own understanding, something that is, puts a, cements our faith in you. And so wherever we're at this morning, whatever our story, whatever our brokenness this past year, wherever we come from, God, whatever relationships that we're struggling with right now, meet us in that spot. God, we're asking you and we're begging you to show up. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, have you ever been stuck? Yeah, I know. It's a terrible question coming on 2020, setting goals, right? You know, I think we all get stuck, though. We all come. There's moments in life we come, and we come to a fork in the road, and it's like, should I go this way or should I go that way? Should I continue with the way I've been living my life in 2019? Or as I approach the new year, should I, should I veer off and maybe go this way? Some of you, that's a good thing. Some of you, maybe that's a bad thing. And we, we all have these choices, and the reality is, is we get stuck sometimes. And sometimes it's not even just a choice in the road, but it's in relationships, and it's in our marriage, and it's in our kids' lives. And we get stuck trying to walk this journey with people, and we're like, man, that, that hurt or that, that thing that's caused so much tension, I thought it would be relieved by now, but it just hasn't gone anywhere. And we get stuck and we really wrestle with that. And some of us are like, man, I, I thought this job was just going to be temporary. And we feel stuck where we're at. And so then all of a sudden, we, kind of our life, when we start feeling stuck in our life, we kind of portray that on God sometimes. And so what we do is we, not only do we say, God, meet me in this. We go, I think I'm stuck in my relationship with God. And that can mean a couple different things that can relate to a couple different areas of your life. The reality is, is that when our timeline's not met by God, we're going, where are you? Like, I, I thought this was how this was supposed to go. If I followed you, you would make everything work out the way I wanted it to. Like, and some of us in the room, we, we hear that and we see that and we, we have these moments and these tensions. Like the marriage was supposed to work. The, my kids were supposed to forgive me. I mean, we were supposed to move on past this and we're going, God, I thought I was going to experience you when I took this route and now I'm not sure where you're at and some of us man we we felt so close to God in a season 
of our life. We, we surrender our lives to him. We set a prayer. We're going, man, God, I will give you everything. And we had this vulnerable, intimate moment. And now we're like, man, I haven't seen that, feel that, known that in such a long time. I don't, I don't, even, I don't even know if God's real anymore. Some of us, first time in the church, and we're going, man, I'm at the end of my rope. I've tried lots of things. I've done a lot of things. People talk about Jesus, that he's a savior, or that he can help you, or that he can do this. And so I'm here, and, and man, you're, you're looking at it and going, man, I'm stuck because I don't even know who Jesus is. I don't know how to take a step forward. And we're all, we're all wrestling with this. We're all wrestling with this tension of what does it mean to be stuck in our relationship with God? And where I really think this relates today is we come to a passage of scripture like this where we see Stephen who dies for his faith and it makes all of us in the room go, ooh, man, I'm not sure I want to do this whole thing. This whole Jesus thing, this Christian thing, following him. Stephen dies. And so we come across passages of scripture like this where it's like someone dies for knowing Jesus and we go, yeah, I'm just going to walk out the door. Like I was hoping to really go into 2020 on a high note, but yet I'm dying. And so we sit there and we, we look at this passage and I, and I believe it just gives us two responses. Those of you who are new, it's your first time. You come in, you hear a message about someone coming and dying for their faith and you're going, you know what? I'll pass. That was great and all, but I tried this whole church thing out. I'm going to go. And I don't blame you. It's, just, it's kind of a tough message to hear. And then there's some of us in the room, we hear a message like this. We've been following Jesus for a while. We've been experiencing him. We've been walking in this really close, maybe, relationship. Maybe it hasn't been that close. But we hear a passage like this and we go, oh, yeah, I don't like this one. I think I'm going to compartmentalize Jesus and keep him on Sunday. And so what we do is we become really good churchgoers and we show up and we fill the seats and we throw money in the offering and we fill out a card every once in a while. But the reality is we go no further than that because you're like, man, I, I love Jesus up to here, but this whole death thing, that's too much for me. Like, I, I don't want to die for my faith. I don't want to be one of those Christians that's raising their hands and citing the gospel and, and going to foreign lands and doing things like that's crazy. I'm not going to be one of those people, but I'll come to church. And then what happens is we read a passage like this and we get stuck in our walk with God. We don't go anywhere and we're wondering where is God and we haven't felt him for such a long time because we haven't gone the next step with him where he is moving, where he is working. And so we look at a passage like this where Stephen dies, on the, dies for his faith and we wrestle and we're going, ugh. I like it, it sounds good, makes a great ending, not sure it's for me. But the truth is, Stephen didn't get there overnight. He didn't, he didn't show up one day, and that's where we struggle today in America, as we look at, a, we, we will never be persecuted, first off, for our, for our faith. It really, the chances of that happening are very slim, of that happening here, so it's hard to relate to that end of it. But not only that, it's hard for us to look at a passage of scripture and, and understand that we always know how the story ends. We look at Stephen, we know he dies. We look at Jesus, we understand he goes to the cross and dies for the sins of the world. We live in what is already the result. But we forget that every story in the Bible has a beginning. And so if we look at the very beginning of Stephen, we see that his is, 
His isn't a whole lot different than a lot of ours, honestly. So we're just going to read the first. We, we read about the last part of his life. Let's read about the first part of his life. It says, but as the believers rapidly multiplied, we're talking about the early church, there were rumblings of discontent. The Greek-speaking believers complained about the Hebrew-speaking believers saying that their widows were being discriminated against in the daily contribution of food. So the twelve called a meeting of all the believers. They said, we apostles should spend our time teaching the word of God, not running a food program. And so, brothers, select seven men who are well-respected and are full of the Spirit. And wisdom. We will give them this responsibility. Then we apostles can spend our time in prayer and teaching the word. Everyone liked this idea, and they chose the following Stephen, a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit, and some other men. Starts off leading a food pantry. It's pretty basic, it's not a whole lot. Some of us in here are doing very simple things like that as well. But what's always kind of tough when we look at that is there's, like the, there's kind of that disclaimer at the end he's full of the Holy Spirit and faith. As if something's already been going on in Stephen's life before even that point. This is where he enters the story in Acts. That's all we get. He's in two chapters. Real quick. We see the beginning. He's a food pantry leader. We see him at the end. He's dying for his faith. It's like, dude. And so we, we kind of need to back up a little bit because we need to understand that God has already been working in Stephen up until this point. We're catching Stephen at a point in his life where he has already experienced God on a certain level where he is basically willing and able and going to die for the mission. And so I want to back up to the very beginning. I want to go back to Jesus' ministry. I really want to talk about the basics and the principles and what he invites us into because I think that will help a lot of us understand how Jesus works and maybe where we've gone wrong in some of our beliefs. So let's go back to when Jesus is starting his ministry. He's 30 years old. He comes to his disciples on the very first try. And he goes, the fo- in John 1, he says, The following day, John the Baptist was again standing with his two disciples. As Jesus walked by, John looked at him and declared, Look, there's the Lamb of God. When John's two disciples heard this, they followed Jesus. Jesus looked around, saw them following. What do you want? He asked them. They replied, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? He said, Come and see. It was about four o'clock in the afternoon. They went with him to the place where he was staying and they remained with him the rest of the day. It's real basic. We believe that Jesus was so intentional and guys that he was going to raise up to basically lead the church. We call it making disciples here at Sinai. And Jesus had 12 of them that he poured his life into, 12 men that he spent life with. And when he first shows up on the scene, many of these men die for the gospel as well, but when he shows up on the scene, the very beginning, the very beginning of all of it, he says, hey, come and see. Come and check it out. You don't got to stay. There's no commitment. You can walk out whenever you want. Just come and see. Just come and see who I am. Come and see what I'm about. Come and experience me on a real level. You can go anytime you want. You don't got to stay, but, but just come and see. And we believe that happens here at Sunrise in our connect environments. That's what we call them, come and see environments, connect. And this right here is a come and see environment. You get to show up, no one's holding you, you're holding your hand and making you not leave, except for maybe some of the kids in the room. But if the message is bad, you can just go. Nothing's holding you here. I was really hoping that one was going to be funny. That was my best joke I had for you guys. 
It's okay. There's no more jokes. So you don't have to worry about that. We'll hold the sign up later. Um, So with that, you guys can leave whenever you want. I mean, that's the reality. It's a come and see environment. And it's very easy. It's very basic. It's very simple. There's not this whole level. But when we see the come and see environment really come to life, when people really accept that invitation to come and see, we believe they're making a decision to follow Jesus, to to surrender their life to Jesus because they've experienced who he is and seen what he's about, that they're like, okay, I, I don't know exactly everything there is to know about Jesus. I don't get every detail there is. I don't understand all the theological implications of following Jesus or what does that mean or what do I have to do but you know what what I have been doing is not working my own performance is not good enough therefore I'm going to trust and surrender to him I I don't understand it all but today I'm going to trust and surrender him and that's where we say hey you have experienced salvation you will experience eternity with Jesus when you submit and surrender simple as that And the disciples did this. And what we see with the disciples is they started to experience Jesus. They saw the message he was preaching. They saw him approach the outcast in society at this come and see level. They they, they got to see the very basics of walking with Jesus and what he was really up to. And a lot of us see that and we come in and we experience it a little bit firsthand. But then the reality, there comes a moment where Jesus is all right. He goes, you've seen enough. You know what I'm about. You know what I'm doing. And now I'm going to invite you into a second invitation. This is where we see the second invitation show up in Scripture. It says, One day as Jesus was walking along the shore of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, also called Peter and Andrew, throwing a net into the water, for they fished for a living. Jesus called out to them, Come, follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets at once and followed him. A little farther up the shore, he saw two other brothers, James and John, sitting in a boat with their father, Zebedee, repairing their nets, and he called them to come too. They immediately followed him, leaving the boat and their father behind. Now where a lot of us sometimes get stuck is we, we look at this passage of scripture and we go, oh, they just left everything and followed Jesus right there in an instant. Yes, true, But they have already actually been experiencing Jesus. Like they knew of who Jesus was at this moment. This wasn't some stranger. This wasn't some guy they have never heard of. This wasn't anything of that sort. They had seen who Jesus was. And Jesus goes, okay, you have seen who I am. Now, my second invitation for you is to come and follow me. Follow me. And follow me is a little tougher. It's a little bit more commitment. You can't just come and go as you please. There's actually, you're going to leave some things behind when you start to follow Jesus. These guys, they they left their careers. They were fishermen. They left it behind to follow Jesus. They left their father, Zebedee, at the boat, said, deuces, pops, I'm following Jesus. It's like, if you start following Jesus, you're going to have to leave some things behind. And that's where a lot of us kind of get hung up. You're like, wait, I can't do this anymore? No, 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 no. That's not what it is. What what happens is we start following, we start experiencing who Jesus is. We start understanding more about him. And what he does is he silently, humbly, quietly, gently nudges us and says, that's not who you are anymore. I know that's what you've been doing, but that's not who you are anymore. I know you have found your identity in that. I know that you've been putting, pouring your life into that. I know that, but you want real life? Follow me. 
And a lot of us wrestle and we, we come to terms with that, but we need to understand something. We need to go back a little bit as we dissect this word disciple and understand what Jesus is doing here. If we go back to the first century Jews, we would understand something that there would be rabbis in the day. And rabbis were in charge of interpreting scripture. And so like us today in society, we go, oh, well, you can believe the Bible or you don't have to. No, in first century, in the Jewish culture here, the law of the land was the Bible. That's what they had to go off of. There was no, if you believe or if you don't believe, it was like, how do you interpret this? And so when the rabbis, if someone was saying, I'm a disciple of this rabbi, it would be saying, hey, I am, I am following this rabbi and what he believes the interpretation to be. Not just following his beliefs, but following his lifestyle, because the Bible goes to all areas of our lives. And so they're saying, hey, okay, I'm following you. And so Jesus is saying, hey, I'm inviting you guys as a rabbi. I'm inviting my disciples to follow me, to do life with me. It'd be like if I was to sit here and get around an older gentleman and he was, he's been following Jesus. He's been faithful to his wife. He's been living out the gospel. And I say, hey, can you teach me how to love my wife, how to lead my kids in following Jesus? Can you, can you show me what it means to love my coworkers. Can you, can you teach me how to do that? Because I'm really struggling. And that's, and that's kind of hard and it's like, it's kind of awkward, but it's not weird because he's like a mentor. That's how we look at it today. But it's beyond that. It's not just sit down and tell me how to live my life. It's sit down and have dinner, do it together, walk together, have his family over for dinner with my family, walk this life together and go through it moment by moment. That's what Jesus invites us into in this stage of come and follow me. It's a moment by moment, a rhythm of life in which we get to follow Jesus, which means we will leave some things behind when we do that. And as we do that, and as we follow Jesus into the season, he comes up with the third invitation and we see him do this with his disciples. He says, Jesus called his 12 disciples together, gave them the authority to cast out evil spirits and heal every kind of disease and illness. Jesus sent out the 12 apostles with these instructions. Don't go to the Gentiles or the Samaritans, but only to the people of Israel, God's lost sheep. Go and announce to them that the kingdom of heaven is near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cure those with leprosy, cast out demons, give as freely as you have received. Don't take any money in your money belts, no gold, silver, or even copper coins. Don't carry a traveler's bag with a change of clothes and, and sandals or even a walking stick. Don't hesitate to accept hospitality because those who work deserve to be fed. And he gives them a couple cautions and a couple things to look out for, but he's sending them out to do what he's been doing. And then he gives this kind of one of these things towards the end of advice. He goes, if you love your father or mother more than you love me, you're not worthy of being mine. If you love your son or daughter more than me, you're not worthy of being mine. If you refuse to take up your cross and follow me, you're not worthy of being mine. If you cling to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for me, you'll find it. That's a hard one. We're right back to where we started. We're stuck. Wait, wait, wait. I'm not worthy of being yours? I'm not worthy of this? Wait, wait, wait. Jesus, I thought it was a come and see Come and follow me. Everything was going to get better. He's like, no, no, no. Yes, those were the first steps. But I'm not just inviting you into, man, getting the best parking spot or everything going perfect in your life. I'm inviting you into a way of life at which you were meant to live. He's saying, come and die. Come and die. And we get to this point where we're like, I 
don't know if I want to die, though, God. I'm not sure if I'm ready to lay down these things. My time, my money, my relationships, the ones I probably shouldn't be in anymore. I don't know if I'm ready for that. He says, come and die. And most of us are like, I have to give up so much. But if we really experience Jesus at the level we believe him to be, that he's our savior and that he loves us and he's pursued us in the midst of our rebellion, what is going to help us make that jump? What's going to help us accept that third invitation to come and die? And I think people get stuck here for two reasons. And the first one, Jesus is just kind of flat out, says it. He goes, man, there's some of you in here that aren't going to follow me because you're just simply not going to believe. That's what he says to him. He says, some of you just aren't going to believe. He says this in John 6. But some of you do not believe me. For Jesus knew from the beginning which ones didn't believe, and he knew who would betray him. Then he said, that is why I said to the people, can't, that's why I said that people can't come to me unless the Father gives them to me. At this point, many of his disciples turned away and deserted him. I mean, that's what he says. He says, it's going to be too much for some of you. Some of you aren't going to be able to do it. It's it's going to be too hard to comprehend. It's going to be too hard to understand to take that next step. And so therefore, you're just not going to believe. And it breaks my heart, but you're just not going to. And that's where some of us get stuck. And we just walk away. And then there's the second part where some of us get stuck. And this is where I I want to talk about it is that, you know, some of us haven't experienced enough of Jesus to hear the come and die yet. That Jesus actually comes in and he's so intentional about the process. Can you show them the next slide, George? Thanks. It says, this is the pathway that we've laid out here at Sunrise, connect, grow, serve, lead, but also with the invitations at each one. And what happens here in church sometimes is we can kind of be bad at this. We can have someone walk through the doors. They haven't even, they've haven't even accepted the invitation to come and see. And we start looking at them and we start talking at them like, well, hey, you've been around here a couple days now, a couple weeks. You can't talk like that anymore. Like, this is kind of the Christian thing. You got to get your act together. Hey, dude, you, you can't go to the club. No more. Done with that. You're drinking too much. Not, not, can't have that here. And we start going after these people that haven't even accepted the first invitation. And we start saying, come and die. <laughs> And we're wondering why they don't respond to the message. And I'm going, because Jesus didn't do that either. We saw the process, super intentional, super laid out. The first step was, come check it out. Come and see. So when you're going after people out there, when you're going for your neighbors and your sons and your daughters and your parents and all of them, it's not about who they're not. It's about who Jesus is, and you got to invite them into that. Say, hey, come and see. Do life with them. Don't tell them how to live. Walk with them. Work with them. Let them see what you're about. And so we get people at those first two stages. We keep trying to invite them to come and die. And I would say that the reason that some of us are not at that stage, are not ready for that invitation, is because we're still experiencing who Jesus is. We've just been invited to church. It's our first day in church. Maybe we've only been coming for a couple weeks. Man, Jesus may not be telling you to come and die. Some people, right away, they come and die. It's how it works. Everyone walks the journey at a different level, a different pace. And that's okay. But I really want to turn my attention 
to that third one, come and die. And I'm not going to talk about lead much this morning, but that come and die. Because there's some of us in here that we got to come and die. We've been sitting there and we've been following Jesus and we've been coming in and we've been worshiping and we've been going through the motions and we pull out the Bible occasionally and we, we, we do our thing and what we're supposed to do to be a Christian and to check things off the box. And we're walking through this and we haven't even experienced Jesus in so long, even though we're checking boxes. And so Jesus is saying, come and die. And you're like, I, yeah, whatever. And so we're wrestling and we're stuck in this tension And so I want to speak to you guys in the room because the truth is, is most of us in this room, whether you're at come and see, welcome, we're glad you're here. Whether you're come and follow, hey, the next step is right here. But if I was to ask you the question, what are you willing to die for? I think most of us first come up in mind like, well, what would I stand in front of a bullet for? Who would I stand in front of a bullet for? Maybe my family, my kids, my spouse. Some of you, your cat. My wife would say our dog, but definitely not a cat. But that's what we would do, right? And some of us in here actually know what that's about because many of us, I would say, we are so honored here at Sunrise that we have veterans in the room and people who are currently enlisted. And you honestly know what it's like to lay down your life for this country, to stand in front of a bullet. Man, I thank you for that. And we thank you like that. Because, man, we get to talk about Jesus openly because of you. So thank you. But the reality is, is we're all going to die one day. And we, we are going to die. It's going to happen. And I would say that in America more than anywhere where we don't... We don't have to encounter persecution in the sense of death for our faith. We, we actually have a society and culture that is all about self-preservation. And so it's all about lasting as long as we can. And so we live as if death is inevitable. Like we can outrun it, we can outgun it. But the reality is we know we can't, but we live like we do. And the reality is if you die, if you die today, you die tomorrow, what you're going to be known for, what you're going to truly have lived for in this life is what you've done up to this point. And I see people in their phones and in relationships that are broken and hurt and, and they're sitting there and it's like, I'm living. What are, you, what are you living for? I'm speaking to myself here. And we, and we get stuck and we, and we wrestle with that. And so I think the, the real way to look at this would be to see uh, what... Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. said, he said this, there are some things so dear, some things so precious, some things so eternally true that they are worth dying for. And I submit to you that if a man has not discovered something that he will die for, he isn't fit to live. He stole those words from Jesus. Jesus says, you want to live? Come and die for me. So maybe the question is not what would you die for, but maybe the question is, what are you living for? What are you, what are you really living for? Because there's, we got people all around in here living for different things, and that's okay. And this is not to alienate you, but the reality is, is we have lived in a culture that is so divided, so toxic, so hurtful, 
politics are running us and we're sitting here and we're letting them divide us and we want people to hear our opinions and what we're about. And I would say that Jesus comes to you and says, come and die. And some of you are living in relationships that there's a lack of forgiveness and it's toxic. And it's because someone won't just drop the pride and say, I'm sorry. Jesus says to you, come and die. Some of you don't have a relationship with your kids or your parents because you won't let it go. And I know that it hurts, but God says, come and die. You're stuck. You want to be unstuck? Come and die. You've been working that job that was only supposed to be a season just so you could get enough money to get to that next place, but you're still there and nothing's going anywhere. Come and die. You're in that season that won't end. Come and die. Jesus says, I'm not just inviting you. This isn't a have to, you got to do this or this and this to, to follow me. It's, hey, I'm showing you a way of life. That is going to free you up, not just for eternity, but for right now as well. I'm showing you a way to live. I am a rabbi and I'm asking you to follow me. I'm asking you to come and die with me. Not not because you're going to get the best parking spot, but because you're really going to live. And So I, I want to look at Stephen's story here, kind of the end of it here. He's, there's so little about him in, in, in regards to his story in the Bible. But yet his impact is so big. He's only got two chapters. But as I said last service, are you in the Bible? No, I'm not in the Bible either. So it's a big deal. All right. Um, and so we see him come on the screen. We see Stephen come on. We see the beginning of his life, the end of his life. And he's falsely accused. That's why he's sitting there about to be stoned to death. That's why. He's falsely accused. And I love it because the reality is, is if you're like me, you like to be right. And so here's Stephen, falsely accused, sitting there, being about ready to die for breathing, essentially, but for spreading the gospel. He's about to die, and he doesn't take his last breaths and go, hey, I, uh, I'm right he doesn't do that. No, 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 I'm right for me. I got to hear that. Come and die to being right. Come and die. And so do you see Stephen on the last breath, the last moment? He could, be, he could be doing anything. He could defend himself. He could be living life for himself, trying to self-preserve. But we don't see him doing that. We see him, hey, hey, I am going to die to myself so I can live for the gospel. Because the gospel is where life is at. The gospel is the way of following Jesus. The gospel leads us to life. So we're going to be about the gospel. It invades every area of our lives. The gospel can fix our marriage. The gospel can fix our relationships. The gospel can do the work of the gospel. And it doesn't need us. But man... It will get into the areas of our lives that we don't want it to be in when we come and die. And it'll make them some of the greatest areas of redemption in our entire lives. And so it's his last breath. Jesus points him to the ultimate forgiver. Stephen points him to the ultimate forgiver. He says, don't hold these sins against them. Don't hold it against them. 
And then there's someone watching this whole thing. Saul, who later becomes Paul. So Saul was one of the witnesses. He agreed completely with the killing of Stephen. Saul becomes Paul and writes much of the New Testament, writes many of the verses that you and I quote today that we say are our life verses or that we love reading or that we get involved. This is the guy. He agreed with killing Stephen. And you and I are quoting him today because of Stephen. Because of Stephen's death, Saul would eventually become Paul who would eventually lead the church and we would have all these letters and we would be reading them and reciting them and believing them and, and praying for that day to come again of when Jesus returns to this earth.